Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There is something going on in the schools, and you're right. These are the schools that funnel kids to Harvard, and Harvard, you know, funnels them out to the important parts of the media, television, government. They're going to be your boss. And, and they control a lot of how people think. So um, two things that are different. Parents don't have the back of the teachers anymore. They always side with their little brat. Mm-hmm. That's different. And the biggest thing, I think, is the shift away from moral teaching, from the parent to the school. Used to be the the school would be afraid of what the parent thought. Right. Now the parent is afraid of going against what they're teaching in school, even when they don't agree with it. Right. That's a huge shift that we should stop and at least notice and debate and talk about. Why is Bill Maher becoming like the most important voice on serious issues going on in America? I think part of it has to do with the fact that he's uh, well known as a man of the left and he's calling out his own side and, and generally that enhances your credibility because it can't be seen as, you know, just a knee jerk partisan attack. I think that point he made about parents being afraid to, to voice any criticism of what's happening in the school, that rings so true. I mean, I have this story here if you want it. I'll, I'll give you the very short version. There are these Virginia parents who are fighting the woke curriculum, the critical race theory, the incredibly racist awful stuff that's being uh, fed to their little kids, indoctrinating their little kids. And the woke crowd has uh, gone after their GoFundMe page and their ability to operate online and is, with the help of brave crusading journalists, shaming companies into tossing them off the platform. They're hounding these people out of existence for daring to oppose the uh, the indoctrination. It's scary. couple of quick school notes before we get to back to Bill Maher and, uh, and his guest. Um, San Diego Unified Schools right now offering professional development for teachers to undergo white privilege training. Chris Rufo, as usual, leaking all of these, uh, the training materials. It's the standard crap. Uh, Robin DiAngelo, Ibram X. Kendi, you're a white supremacist unless you bow down and, and, and kiss the hem of our garment. And uh, I love this. My favorite part of this is you will, they're told, you will experience guilt, anger, apathy, and closed-mindedness. So if you, if we're hitting you with our, our timeshare pitch, and at some point you say, this is a load of crap, that's proof you need a timeshare. That'd be handy. I mean, come on. Who would fall for that? The weak-minded would. And the second San Diego schools note, before we get back to Bill Maher, San Diego public school teachers are being sent to teach migrant children in person before they're teaching their own students in person. So it's safe enough to teach the little migrant children because you can't just warehouse them. They ought to be in school. You can't just have them sit there learning nothing. So they're going to teach the little migrant children before the kids in the San Diego Unified School District are uh, allowed back in a Un- freaking believable Oh, my yeah. God. San Diego uh, County Supervisor Jim Desmond said, we have 130,000 kids who haven't been allowed in a classroom for over a year in the San Diego Unified School District. It's great that there's in-person learning for those unaccompanied minors from Central America, but I sure wish every child in San Diego County was allowed the same opportunity. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a load of crap. Anyway, uh, back to Bill Maher. He was talking to writer Brett Stevens, and they continued their conversation. 
But it's, I think it's a problem throughout education, which is that we're losing the distinction between what education is and what indoctrination is. Yes. And a lot of what's happening is yes. really just indoctrination. Like, you know, I, I studied Marxism in school. It's important to understand what Marxism is. It's different from being taught from a Marxist perspective, right? One exposes you to ideas. The other makes you a kind of a soldier in a given, in a given perspective. And that's like, that's, there's something kind of totalitarian about that. You're, you're producing like not independent thinkers. You're producing red guards. You're producing cadres. Which particular, he's referring to the cultural revolution in uh, China in the, in the 60s and early 70s um, uh, with the Red Guards. Um, what, what particular indoctrination is Bill Maher worried about? All this uh, anti-racism the stuff? race theory. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and he's especially troubled by the fact that the woke crowd demands complete fealty to their ideas. There can be no dissent or they will ruin you. Uh, there's another, uh, Glenn Greenwald's been writing about this stuff just brilliantly. It's, it's always a little longish to interpret for the show. I'm going to try a little bit later on in the hour. But he's talking about how these woke journalists are making their living haunting online discussion boards or, or, um, or your various online channels and your apps and the rest of it. And they sneak in there and they just wait till somebody says something that's outside the mainstream of permitted thought these days. And it doesn't matter if it's a kid or just, you know, a, a working man, a working woman, some housewife, whatever. They will call them out. They will dox them. They will expose them. They will shame the platform they're on. They'll go after employers. They're tearing down the most powerless for the sin of going against their doctrines, and it's often in service of big tech, corporate media, the government. It's just, it's so sick. Yeah, it's troubling. Speaking to the powerful in the government, wanted to bring you this. So, uh, oh, you know what, Sean, I should ask you for the, uh, the, the, the nice lady who runs the CDC, uh, the same lady who said the teachers should be back in class and then four days later said, uh, no, maybe not, maybe we should wait till they're inoculated. Give me clip number 30. I'm going to pause here, I'm going to lose the script, and I'm going to reflect on the recurring feeling I have of impending doom. We have so much to look forward to, but right now I'm scared. We have come such a long way. Three historic scientific breakthrough vaccines, and we are rolling them out so very fast. So I'm speaking today not necessarily as your CDC director, not only as your CDC director, but as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, to ask you to just please hold on a little while longer. Interesting. That's precisely what Joe Biden was saying the other day. That's an impassioned plea. Yeah, well, uh, quoting uh, this gent who's writing for redstate.com, which is a conservative website, you get uh, how political she's become. After being independent for a while, she's become political. Thus, you get unscientific idiocy like today's freakout session in which she broke down about the impending doom of COVID because some states are spiking. These are the people ostensibly leading our country. There's a lot of dishonesty in the clip to note. For one, the current spike is very small and could very well just be the result of reporting discrepancies. We're talking about only a 12% week-over-week rise. But what's really gross about Walensky's comments is the claim that said spike is because states are reopening too quickly. Yeah, That, that has been the claim. Uh, yep. That part really bothered me because I know for a f- knew for a fact yesterday going into that that Texas's cases are going down even though they got so much crap for uh, getting rid of their mask mandate. 
Right. That's a favorite left-wing talking point, but it holds no basis in reality. The only reason the claim is made is to attack states like Florida, Texas, Mississippi, and others that have removed restrictions. Yet if you look at the data, the spikes that she's feeling impending doom, that's a quote, about, are occurring in blue lockdown states. NPR has a portal that shows the current case rate per state. And then he says, notice where the uh, worst states are, who leads them, and where they are located. And sure enough, he uh, includes a, a link to the Twitter page. And there it is. Your worst states are Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Minnesota. Oops, there's Vermont and New Hampshire as well. But they're all blue states. And they're all pretty well uh, clamped down, Michigan in particular. Yeah, so Joe Biden saying yesterday, and I think we have his clip. Might as well hear him. We got time. Can we hear him talking about the please? I'm asking you. I think we have. I'm reiterating my call for every governor, mayor, and local leader to maintain and reinstate the mask mandate. Please, this is not politics. Reinstate the mandate if you let it down. But there's no oh, indication. He's using his whispery voice. But there's no indication that that has anything to do with the rising cases, as Joe just pointed out. The st- but you know, you know the thing. Three things. Number one, the first one. <laughs> Secondly, you know the drill. Come on. Not a joke. I'm not kidding you here. I'm not joking around. <laughs> Come on, man. Went into his whispery voice. A little respect, please. That's just unbelievable. And I'm looking at the... So the their... insinuation there is clearly that these states that relax the mask mandates, that, that, that that's what's causing this. Well, there's no indication that that's the case. If I you were don't... listening earlier, uh, you might have heard us uh, break down the fact that uh, many harem scarum pieces, and we hit uh, CNN and a couple other outlets, uh, they casually mention that the spike in cases is almost entirely among the young. And then they hint darkly that deaths are usually a trailing indicator, so we're braced for what could be a horrific turn. Except you just told me it's a bunch of young folks, a bunch of 12 to 24-year-olds who got the vid, will get over it and are now immune, so you might as well say they vaccinated themselves. And then you combine that with that California news, with the, we're inventing a new tier, the it's all clear, but you've still got the chain around your neck, Tear. I'm yeah. telling you, man, just, fear that. It just popped into my head what we were talking about a week or so ago about the, the two, two narratives that exist, that if you take in your information from the left side, you believe the COVID is 80 times more dangerous to young people than people mm-hmm. on the right believe it. And, and, and people on the right believe it's less dangerous than it actually is. <laughs> the truth is closer For, to the right than the, well. to the left, but... Um, Everybody's a little out of whack with the, the information they're taking in. But that, that actually, explains... not, to, not to quibble, but this is really interesting. For the young people thing, everybody grossly overestimated the death, yeah. uh, or I'm sorry, the danger to young people. And uh, liberals in particular, Democratic voters, thought it was 80 times more dangerous than it actually is for young people. Well, that would explain why you hear news stories about it. And we, all these college kids have COVID, and they'll be fine. They'll be mm. absolutely fine, with almost no exceptions. One could uh, one could suggest that they are volunteering in the effort to get us to herd immunity as quickly as possible. Bravely volunteering. I could write that article. College kids have taken it upon themselves to get the COVID, 
knowing that they are vastly more likely to have no symptoms or very mild symptoms and recover and thereby get immunity. That would help protect the older friends and relatives that they come in contact with. All hail American college students volunteering to self-vaccinate. It might have been a good strategy from the beginning. Last spring break. Yep. Have all the college kids gather in one place and spread the COVID around. Might have been a good idea. And tell them, stay away from Granny. And Granny, stay away from Junior. So we haven't taken a look at the border. It is bad. It's twice as bad as it was when they were setting records under Trump. So uh, we'll look into that, those numbers and a couple of things. What are the most and least stressed out states in America? <laughs> um, and uh, there's more news on Little Nass's uh, devil shoes. Every Controversial. Time, every time I look over at the news board, there's some story about Little Nass X's devil shoes with the blood in them. Great, Scott. Where are we that bored? I'm not. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. More shelters and facilities means there's a need for more people to care for the migrant children housed inside. The need is so great that last week the Biden administration sent a memo to the heads of multiple government agencies asking for civilian federal employees to volunteer for deployments of up to 120 days. A spokesperson for the Office of Personnel Management confirms we're actively working to screen, process and deploy these volunteers to bolster staff resources at the border. What? A mess. From the Washington Examiner today, twice as many children are in Border Patrol custody under Biden than the Trump peak in 2019 when it got so much attention about kids in cages and whatnot. The number of migrant children being held is, uh, as of Sunday, 5,767. So since this is Tuesday, I assume it's quite a bit over 6,000. Unaccompanied. Given that there's increased flow across the border day after day, I'll bet you're right. Unaccompanied minors being detained inside cells at Border Patrol facilities near the U.S.-Mexico border. In comparison, only 2,600 children were uh, documented in custody at the height of the 2019 border crisis. So it's well over double now and and headed to triple. Uh, The figures underscore the magnitude of the situation, which the Biden uh, White House continues to not call a crisis. I think that's kind of a stupid controversy, although it is clearly a crisis. Um. Each week, sometimes more than once a week, new overflow facilities are open to hold the influx of children. Border Patrol is packing children into tents and rooms. Images shared by lawmakers this month, as we've all seen, show uh, kids uh, with no open spaces, crammed on the floor, blah, blah, blah. We know all that. It's a mess. Um, You combine the HHS facilities with the Border Patrol facilities, and you get the numbers together, and you're up to 17,500 children currently in custody at the border. Well, can you imagine the complexity and dangers of trying to figure out where to send all those children, trying to vet where they're going, and make sure you don't <clears throat> send one to an uncle who's a child molester or or get the wrong, you know, Juan Ramirez or whatever, and then, and then be on the hook for something unspeakable happening to a child. This is going to take forever to unravel. 
So last March, the Trump administration opted not to take any adult or child and would turn people away at the border, considered cruel by the Biden crowd, which said that they will take the kids in and will take care of them. The trouble for Biden is that since then, and I'm reading from the Washington Examiner, the number of children coming to the U.S. has surged and is expected to continue to rise for months. More than 117,000 children are expected to show up alone at the southern border. I'm sorry, how many? 117,000. Good Lord. By uh, by fall. So going through the summer. What are they going to do with all these kids? I don't Distribute know. them into the heartland. Yeah, it does mention that that uh, they will set court dates and uh, send them off into the country, and it'll be months and months before they process these. And then what would you do? I know what I would do if I was in Minnesota with my kid who came across the border, and I get something in the mail saying you're supposed to show up in Texas to some sort of hearing. Mm-hmm. I'd just throw it in the trash because you know what's going to happen if you ignore it? Nothing. Nothing well, right. ever. Well, and, and the administration has announced that, essentially. And you have folks in your community who can show you the ropes and show you how to get by. And we end up feeding, clothing, medicating, and educating 120,000 young uh, Central American kids. And, of course, Congress has uh, decided to have emergency sessions with extra long hours. Republicans and Democrats arguing on the House floor. No, that's not happening. There's... No discussion of any legislation whatsoever. You'd think this would be enough of a crisis. They'd be meeting every single day trying to craft an immigration policy that will solve this. But I haven't even heard anybody even suggest it, really. I was going to say, I don't recall hearing even a single senator say, hey, let's try again. No. No. Unreal. Not even on the table trying to, like, come up with rules and stick to them. This is no way to run a country, folks. It is not. Neither party wants to get in there and actually haggle over it, because then what if it goes away? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Last one still stinging back on my mind. You want to hear something good? Every once in a while, something good happens and it doesn't get enough attention because there's a tendency to uh, focus on the negative, gets more attention for whatever reason. But um, that police officer that showed up to the mass shooting in uh, Colorado and died, and we all heard he has seven kids, and that's just uh, awful. Yeah. Anyway, a bunch of people got together and uh, raised money to pay off the mortgage for their house so his wife and seven kids uh, can stay in their home. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good thing. Tragedy, obviously, but yeah, uh, there is plenty of goodness and compassion in the world. You know, that's one thing we haven't talked about that much lately is among the other distortions that taking in the world electronically will give you, it's the idea that so many of us are villains and criminals and, and awful people. And whereas, you know, you look around you and most people are thoroughly decent. Yeah, I don't know if this fits in or not. According to Gallup, for the first time, maybe ever in American history, church membership has fallen below 50 percent. Mm-hmm. You're now in the minority if you're a member of a church. Now, they only started uh, keeping track of this in 1937, but. My reading of history would lead me to believe that uh, it was fairly high 
before then. Um, the rate was 73% in 1937 of people that were a member of a church. And it remains steady at about 70% my whole life, your whole life, up until about the year 2000. I mean, it's <laughs> fairly recently... Because we used to do these stories, we've been doing talk radio show that long. We used to do these stories and say it hasn't changed. You know, we hear about church going and this and belief in God and people making their arguments that we're not as godly as we used to be. And I'd say, I remember saying this. Now, it's been the same for, you know, this whole century. Hmm. Well, in 2000, for whatever reason, at that point, it started to drop. And it was down to 61% in 2010, 55% in 2015, and now for the first time it's fallen below 50% to a record low 47% of Americans that say they belong to some church. For better or worse, uh, I took this article from a a, a libertarian atheist website, so they're uh, thrilled with this. I'm not of the belief that this is going to make things better. Neither was George Washington. Several of the founding fathers went on the record saying, this this Constitution was written for a religious and moral people. If you lose that, it will not work anymore. And I'm afraid they may have been right. Not surprisingly, there's a strong correlation between church membership and age, with uh, older people being much more likely to be belong to a church. I belonged to a church as a kid. My kids don't belong to a church. I wish they did. I have no explanation for why they don't. Hmm. That's all I got to say about that. Um. Anyway, that's a you know it's a change in society. There will be results. S- something will come out of that, for good or worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a complicated topic. Now I do it think really it's is. interesting that we uh, we um, uh, are so open with our borders that the crowd that's coming in is much more likely to be a member of a church than the people that are born here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an interesting wrinkle. And, you know, you believe what you want to believe, and uh, many different people have different beliefs, and I think it's a wonderful thing in this country that we're able to practice our religious faith or lack of it, <clears throat> excuse me, according to our conscience. Um, but like I said, the, the founding papas really seem to be of the opinion that the glue that holds the whole thing together is a fairly uh, universally held set of ethical beliefs around religion. You didn't have to like go to church or some sort of Presbyterian church every Sunday. You just had to have a belief in um, uh, the ultimate accountability for goodness and badness. Yeah, I should I should note that despite the decline in church membership, the U.S. remains a very religious country with around seventy percent identifying with a religion. Um. So there are a lot of people who would say that they'd check a box saying, I'm a Christian. I'm just not a member of a church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jack, perhaps people have chosen other gods as their heroes and even their superheroes. One of my most awkward and convoluted transitions ever. Comic-Con announced a couple of days ago, and I'm not sure that we mentioned it. We watched gonna... Thor Ragnarok yesterday. <clears throat> oh, it's a great movie. That one. is a good movie. I'd seen it Are before. You ready my... to Ragnarok. My son was watching, and I was catching parts of it. Thor's hilarious. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty yeah, good movie. I do, I do enjoy the, the Thor movies. Um, so uh, Comic-Con is going to hold an in-person Thanksgiving weekend convention in person in San Diego, or, or so they hope. This is uh, Dr. Fauci's telling us if we work really hard, maybe we can go to the park in July. They've already announced the Comic-Con is on. Now, granted, this is November. Um, 
So that's good news. I, I hope that it, it comes off. You know, I've been sitting on a couple of things just because I don't have the heart to bring them to you because they're really negative. Mm. Um, there was a horrific crime the other day. A black suspect attacked a white boy inside a McDonald's, calling the child the white devil and other racial slurs. <clears throat> you reverse the races. Excuse me, my allergies are killing me. You reverse the races, it would be nationwide news all the time. There have been a couple more horrific attacks against older Asian folks. One in New York City is getting a fair amount of attention. And once again, it was black men attacking old Asian folks. This is not some sort of indictment of, of black people. I would never do that. The vast majority of most people are good, decent people, and I despise racism. But the people who deny that it exists in all races and in all directions and pretends it's only about whitey, that's just insidious and it's wrong. We need to, we need to call it out wherever it exists and, and fight against it. But again, you're not going to hear those stories anywhere. One more note about Asia slash Asian people. This surprised me. I am an admitted Elon Musk fanboy. Hmm. I like him. I like his spirit. I like his sense of humor. I think he's brilliant. I, I just I think he's good for America because he's just he's just different. He's his own man. On the other hand, the other day he was lavishing praise on China during an interview with state broadcaster China Central Television where he pledged that the country would become his electric car maker's biggest market in the long run. Tesla, of course, we're talking about. He also lauded China's economic and climate goals, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very confident about Tesla's China, future in China. God, I get here tired of hearing about China and, their, and working with them on climate change. They aren't going to do anything. They don't care. China no, is asshole. This is just talk. How does everybody not recognize that? They will do what profits them. They will do whatever is best for them at any given moment. They don't give a crap about the future of the world climate-wise. How does anybody fall for that? Biden or Elon Musk? Is the great Elon Musk giving up his ideals for freedom to suck on the warm teat of China? Well, you got to com- your ideals of freedom okay. if you want right. to suck on the warm tea right. of China. As I hinted, yes. I'm very <laughs> confident about Tesla's future in China, he told the communist broadcasters. The Chinese economy, I think, can do extremely well over the next decade and become the biggest economy in the world, and it's also committed to a sustainable energy future, which, you know, granted, he's selling electric cars, so sure. I don't fault him for that. He would but- have to be completely unaware of what's going on in the world. Maybe he's so focused on his electric cars he's not i doubt it i think the most likely thing is he thinks you know what's going to turn tesla into a real global brand that rivals general motors or anybody else Mm -hmm. is it becoming the car of china and i'm already accounts for a fifth of tesla's revenue well there you go yeah uh i i'm full disclosure if uh the nba if hollywood if some other corporation had said those things yep. about China, I'd be murdering them yep. on the air yep. right That's now. That's not cool. That is that not really cool. Is. You know, there are, and there are a hell of a lot of corporations doing the same thing, just praying they can keep playing footsie with the commies and that they'll reform or get a little less loathsome. Just please don't blow up 20% of my revenue and probably 40% in a decade if I can keep this going. Please don't blow it up. He's playing so with fire, man. He's playing with yeah. fire there. If If... if Things could twist on him fast. Where they he, are currently slavers. They have slaves picking cotton right now. 
and their concentration goal, camps. And their goal is to defeat us militarily, economically, everything in the world. Yeah, exactly. And spread their uh, subjugation of the masses to every corner of the globe. It's in, it's unspeakably evil. And I understand how difficult it is because American corporations, I mean, you, they could easily. It reminds me of the uh, illegal immigration thing. We've been sending the message to Central America for decades. Come on in. Come on in. Come on in. We'll feed you. We'll clothe you. We'll educate you. We'll take care of your kids. We'll get you a job. Don't worry about the paperwork. Nobody cares. Nobody ever checks it. Come in. Come in. Come in. And then people act all outraged when the people come in. That stopped briefly under Trump, who made it clear, don't come in. But we've also been sending the message to American corporations, trade with China. Get in bed with China. It's a great market. We're going to go back and forth. They'll open up. We'll become interdependent. There will be peace and prosperity. It'll be wonderful. And I understand it's really difficult now to tell them, no, you got to pull the plug right now because they are the, the most evil regime on earth. And yet it must be done. Barring some twist in the road that I do not anticipate, it must be done. Yeah, Elon Musk can't be saying stuff like that. Not cool. What's the least stressed out state in America? Or the most? And a great underwear-related life hack. (laughs) What? (laughs) Undergarment-related life hacks. Saggy drawers got you down. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We're just talking about the Gallup numbers that for the first time in American history, probably church membership is below 50%. So it's the minority view that you're a member of a church. And uh, this just came to me unrelated. This cartoon, um, it's not specifically Jesus or Moses, but it's a bearded person in a robe standing on a rock talking to people also in robes. So it's kind of got that. Jesus, Moses, talking to people, look. Mm -hmm. Be kind to everyone, says the person up on the rock. Wait, even Gary? Says somebody in the crowd. Yeah, Gary's the worst. Look, (laughs) we've been through this. Yes, be kind to Gary as well. Ha, suck it, losers. Not now, Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Gary. Gary, Gary, Gary. Anyway. Uh, What's the least and most stressed out state? I uh, have lived in several of the least stressed out states. Interesting. Uh, That explains your placid demeanor. South Dakota, where I was born, the least stressed out state in America. Um, They got that great liberty-loving cutie governor, too. Christine Ohm. Then uh, Utah, Minnesota, Iowa, where my family's from, North Dakota, Wisconsin, where I grew up, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Montana, Kansas, where I'm from. Virtually so, all those states are, are northern. Here's your most stressed out states. Nevada, number one most stressed out. Number one in family-related stress, that category. Hmm. Well, I think there's more family-related stress in Nevada. Any guesses? That he's running down to uh, Vegas and getting with hookers. Because I'm the unluckiest man in the world. I'd be rich by now if these casinos weren't just stealing from me. Gambling addiction. Yeah. Uh, Number two, Louisiana. Humidity. Alligators. (laughs) Alligators. You're too sweaty to run from alligators. You try to run. 
you, you, you fall in your own sweat. Yeah. Right? Uh, then New Mexico, well, you got uh, you got uh, meth dealers everywhere. I've been watching Breaking Bad. So. <laughs> oh, sure. It's dangerous. Gunfights, et cetera. Mm-hmm. People I'm, being kept in pits. Yeah. I'm so into Breaking Bad, but like I can't have the kids even anywhere near where they could accidentally walk in the room while I'm oh, watching yeah. Breaking Bad because a lot of scenes are not for, uh, well, they're not for anyone. Most scenes. In fact, almost all of them. <laughs> Uh, but here's your uh, most stressed. Nevada, Louisiana, New Mexico, West Virginia is number one in health and safety-related stress. Then number five, Mississippi, number one in money-related stress. Mm. Poor, poor Mississippi. Uh, California, eighth most stressed, by the way. Texas, ten most stressed. So, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything you can take from any of that. They're too random to, uh, I don't know. California is stressed because it's become ungovernable, and Texas is stressed because all the Californians showing up. <laughs> I believe you have a bias there. Uh, it could be. So we got this note from Gordon. We were talking. We were just joking earlier. Yeah, I just I've got a couple of pair of boxer briefs. I'm a boxer brief guy, but they've really they've the, the bounces out of their bungee. I mean, they're just they're sagging. I've they're become quitters. a brief brief guy. I like briefs. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm what are you eight years? They old? don't need to be white. Um, but uh, I like briefs. Uh, boxers are always bunching up everywhere. I just I I'm a brief no guy. No boxer brief, child. Archer anyway, briefs are the way to go. Man, they still bunch up on it's, it's the It's the hybrid. It's the perfect. What are you doing? Because of the, do you scoot like a dog across the floor? What are you doing? Anyway. What's uh, wrong with the traditional brief? Uh, it's just childlike. No you were a child. <laughs> well, nobody is seeing it. Just me before I put on my pants. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Gordon, my, my kids have reached the age. Where they do not want to see me walking around in my underwear. And, you know, I probably shouldn't walk around in my underwear at the age that they're currently at. But they have said to me before, Dad, could you put on some pants? <laughs> it's embarrassing. Oh, boy. <laughs> Especially in front of their friends. So we got this We got this note from... Oh, that's funny, Michael. We got this note from Gordon, and he talks about how he's a Costco executive member, and he gets a check once a year, but that doesn't matter, because you could do it anyway. He says, I use that check to pay for my next year's membership. And then at the Costco, I buy two packs of white T-shirts, two packs of BVDs, two packs of white thick calf-high socks, and two packs of white low-cut socks. They go straight into the wash as soon as I get home. Before I put them in the drawer, I throw away all of the year-old undergarments. If I don't do it this way, I can never justify the cost of all the new underwear. And before I know it, my drawers are saggy and 10 years old. Yep. It's a slippery slope. Yeah. So he goes all new undergarments every single year. Now, that's living like a king. I um I got the underwear problem with some of them. They're saggy, but I'm worse with socks. I got socks I wear. It's just uh, embarrassing. Mm. I mean, what, what do socks cost, for crying out loud? Not so much. Do you, have, like, Not the much. Big <laughs> hole? do you get the big hole in the heel, the big, the big toe hole as well? <laughs> Is it that bad? I can't do the toe hole. I find that so uncomfortable, but I got the hole in the heel. Oh, yeah. Or that's a worn thin, you could read a newspaper through it. Right. <laughs> You're a man of means. <laughs> Be good to yourself. I'm going to subscribe you to the Sock of the Month Club. It's the gift that keeps on giving, Jack. You know what? I love this idea by Gordon, but I would never do it. Because I would look into my sock drawer, I'd say, those socks are fine. Yeah, exactly. Those are fine. Those are fine. And I just I can't bring myself. I, I'm not a hoarder 
but I live closer to Hoarderville than than the, I don't know Maria Wakondo City. I think a lot of people do. I think most people do. Yeah, I don't know. Is it that you, if you grew up with money, you don't care about stuff, you just throw it away, and if you don't, you got to be frugal? I don't know. Or is it something deep in the brain? I have no idea. Mm. Judy harasses me mightily. I was talking about buying a T-shirt the other day. We were at this cool distillery, and they got, like, fun names for their gin. And I thought, yeah, it'd be a good T-shirt. She said, five to one. You get one new T-shirt, you get rid of five old ones. I said, <laughs> what? Maybe two. How about two? <laughs> so I passed on the T-shirt. I'm throwing I have out my old. I have T-shirts, like, for four people. If I can keep ahead of steam going from the show when I get home today, I'm throwing out my old socks. I'm, I'm thinking of one pair in particular that I wore the other day and thought, this is embarrassing. Yet I washed them and then folded them and put them back in the drawer. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're worse than me. <laughs> Holy socks. Not a chance. No, that is, that or is. a super thin one. No. Be good to your hooves, man. <laughs> Come on. I'm not. I'm not even as worried about that. Is just what kind of person do you appear to be? You know, if you sit down and your pant leg pulls up and they see holes in your socks, I wouldn't do business with somebody with holes in their socks. Well, they'd ask you how long have you been uh, without a home? Yeah, exactly. How long have you been experiencing homelessness? That's the one. You gonna be able to pay back this loan? Sure, I can. And then I cross <laughs> my leg and they see my holy socks. Wow! I can't buy well, the car they... or the house or whatever. That reminds me, there's this Looney Tunes editorial in the L.A. Times I meant to bring to you. Maybe we will during the award-winning Hour 4, which you can get via podcast if it doesn't air on your station or whatever. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. But this Looney Tunes editorial in the L.A. Times suggesting that uh, before they clean out Echo Park, which is a big park with a big homeless shelter, they have to have a permanent housing solution for every person in the park. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Come on. Not now, Gary. And probably new socks. Armstrong and Getty.